when we look at this world, when we look at the world around us, sometimes, um, and I think a lot of times we do this in this room, sometimes it may be, it may be negative things or maybe difficult things to watch or difficult, difficult things hit the news or hit, even difficult things hit our lives. And, um, and in turn, when we see these things, whether it be in the news, whether it be in media, whether it be in our schools or in our homes or hitting our lives, these things kind of impact us. These kind of things kind of change us. They end up impacting us. And just, just honestly, even thinking about this past year and a half, like I'm, I, I got to be honest with you guys. I'm really, really, really sick of blaming everything on COVID. I'm sick of it. I'm done with COVID. I'm sick of like, well, we're not doing this because, you know, COVID. You know, you know how long ago that was? That can no longer be our excuse. COVID can no longer be our excuse. So in the past year and a half, though, our world has been a mess. We saw all kinds of political things impacted us. We saw racial injustice impact us. We saw uh, uh, human trafficking be impacting to us. We saw in some things that we talked about here to emerge, we've been giving towards clean water in Africa. Those kinds of things have spoken to us and have impacted us. Um, and, and natural disasters, there's been tornadoes and floods and earthquakes and all kinds of things going on. Fires that have impacted us, that have spoken to us, that have um, challenged us. And, and I could go on and on. There's been all kinds of things. And that's just, that's just worldwide. That's not even affecting like immediately like your life, the things that are happening in your life. There's so many injustices that we see on a regular basis. Like I want to just remind you of just kind of the injustice that we see in this world and the evil and the sin that exists around us. See, like sin and, and injustice was never, ever God's plan for this world. It wasn't God's plan for this world. Injustice was never God's plan. So when you go back to the very beginning in the Bible, when you look at the book of Genesis, you can see that what God's plan was. And you can see that it was good. And you can see that it was pure. And, and there was no sin on the earth at this time. Like there was no evil. There was no injustice. But sin entered the world. And man and woman Brought, bought into the lie of the enemy and who they thought that they could be like God. And in turn, sin and hardship and disease and injustice and cancer and diabetes and you name it, you could go on and on and on. These things begin to enter the world. And I want you to know tonight that this was never God's desire. It was never God's desire. I think about some of the injustice I, I know of or some of the injustices that I've been made aware of, stuff like, um, I don't know if you know this or are aware of this, but every single day, one out of every five kids die due to water-related diseases in Africa. In this past year, this actually past two years, we've been given to um, our Living Water Campaign to give to, to build uh, clean water wells in East Africa because, because of things like this. One out of every five children, kids, die every day because they don't have access to clean water. That's why we've been given to the Living Water, water Campaign. Every day, kids wake up not knowing if they're going to live or, or not based on where they live. 
like where they should live and, and should not determine, if they should live or die, shouldn't determine to whether uh, or not they live. I'm not saying that right. Um, we, should, we should be a part of helping people uh, not living with injustice. Every day there are kids that die due to malnutrition, kids that walk for miles just to get food. Thank you, Johnny. How many of us here in America, how many of us right here in this room, in this youth group, grow up and we complain that we don't have the right outfits, we don't have the right gear, like we, don't, we say we don't have the right shoes, but we have a closet of eight or ten pairs of shoes. We say we don't have enough clothing, but our closets are packed full of clothes. Like you and I in this room, I seriously doubt we wake up every single morning and if we wonder if, if we're going to have something to eat or if we wonder if we're going to have pure water to drink. We've seen videos. We, we've looked at this. We've talked about this. We've seen kids at going up and drawing water from the same pool of water that cattle and animals are drinking out of. And it's, it's just brown, it's, it's filthy, it's dirty, it, it causes disease. There's injustice of impure water, and it's killing people. That's why we give to the Living Water Campaign. And I want you to understand, like, this injustice was never God's plan for the world. It's an injustice. There, there are places in, this, in the world where a mother will give birth to a child and she has to make a decision that either she eats and lives or the child eats and lives. And so she'll lay it on the side of the road or in a, or in a garbage dump or lay it at the foot of someone's door and, and leave and walk off because she has to make a decision of, of who lives and who doesn't. She can only feed herself and she hopes the bit that the baby either dies or gets picked up by someone who will care for it. I heard a story of an of a, um, orphanage in, in Haiti, uh, and all these kids who are, have been given up or people leave them on the side of the road or they, they're found in dumpsters or in dumps, and they, they don't have enough people working in these orphanages to care for these babies. And so uh, I heard the story of uh, this person visiting this orphanage, and she began to walk through, and there were just rows and beds, these little metal beds with babies in them. And they would, and as the babies would hear footsteps, you would see their arms just begin to raise up and just begin to cry because they're just so desperate to be held. It was never God's heartbeat to have orphans around the world. Yet there are orphans all over the world. I think about injustices that we witness, not just in other countries, not just in far off places, but right here in our own backyard. I was actually looking today at, um, which, which I guess this will tell how old I am, which I am old, on Facebook. I was on Facebook. And um, it, it tells your memories uh, or, or things that you posted about from years past. And today, a year ago today, in Oak Grove, Missouri, there was a bust, a human trafficking bust, where 10 women and three children under five years old were held to be sold for human trafficking. That's just right down the road. That's right here. 
Who knows what would have happened if they weren't caught, if that bust wouldn't have taken place. Like the injustice of a young girl sold into sex trafficking was never the heartbeat of God. And this is happening every day all over the world and even in our backyards. See, the, the racial injustices, it, it, that does not look like the kingdom of heaven. Let me re- remind you the result of the injustices that we, that we talk about and that we see like this is an issue and, and sin was never meant to get the final word. In Genesis 3, 15, there was this prophecy that was issued. There's this thing that was said and, and um, how, how one would come along and he would be the one to crush the serpent's head. And that person who would come, he would, he would show up and he would fulfill and he would be the one who would get the final word. And that person, he would come and he would overcome death and he would overcome injustices of the world. And, and that person happened to be Jesus Christ and the serpent is Satan the devil, the enemy. Then it says, then Jesus would take every sin and every injustice and, and be sacrificed and hang on a cross, nailed to a cross for all of humanity that whoever might believe in him might be saved, who wouldn't perish, who would have everlasting life. See, sin was never meant to get the final word. About 50 days after Jesus died and, and he rose again and he ascended into heaven um, was, was a special day, was an important day that even we kind of celebrate. Uh, it was called the Day of Pentecost. And uh, I want to encourage you to read about it, that one of these days, maybe write down in your notes, if you're taking notes tonight, write down just Acts 2 and read Acts 2. And it talks about the Day of Pentecost. I highly recommend it because this is a day that really changed everything. See, in this room, there were about 120 Jesus followers meeting, and they were praying in the room. And then all of a sudden, in this room, it says, the Bible says there was like a a rushing mighty wind that just flowed through the room. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit showed up, and he baptized all of these people in the room, and they began to speak out messages of tongues and and, and different languages and foreign languages that were foreign to them. But the people outside, the people around them could catch and they could hear and they could understand what they were saying because people in the area were listening. And that day, in that moment, right after that took place, all these people in this room went outside. And in in that moment, the gospel message was preached and the power of the Holy Spirit was poured out on all those people. And something was birthed in that moment called the local church. And that day, over 3,000 people came to Christ and they put their hope and their faith in Jesus. See, God's plan and the solution to injustice was that the message of Jesus would go forth through the local church, through the local youth group, through Emerge Youth, through you and through me. See, eternity may look different for some people because God's plan A to bring, out, to bring about injustice, like Christ-centeredness, like the hope and the gospel preached, not just America, but to the world. And that's why we give. 
That's one of the reasons that we give is so we may not be able to go to these other countries, but you know what? There is a missionary called there. There's a person called there. There's a group of people called there, and we can help someone go. That may not be where God's called us, but it's where God's called somebody. And that's why we give so we can send that person to go and share the gospel. That same response Jesus gave nearly 2,000 years ago is the same response that he gives us today. Like, you're here in this room tonight. and Like, have we forgotten um, that we fit into God's plan for this world? Because uh, I think sometimes we just get into this mode of just kind of showing up, going to church. I, I might go tonight. I might not. I might go to church Sunday. I might not. And like we, we kind of have, I think as Christians, a lot of times we have forgotten that we are God's plan A to, to share the gospel to this world. He, he puts that on us. That's, that's what he's, he's given to us. It's the responsibility we have. Have we forgotten that, it, that God desires for us to use us to bring justice to others through our life to, to a world that's hurting? God's called us. Have we forgotten the, 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 the great commission that's found in Matthew 28, 19, and 20? It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Like, have we forgotten? I think we, sometimes we get such in a routine of like, oh, I'll show up to Emerge tonight, and I'll be there, and I might, I might participate, I might not. I might talk through the whole service, I might not. Uh, I, if, if the atmosphere is right, I'll get involved, or man, I hope they play a fun game tonight, or I hope, you know, like we get caught up in this. And I think sometimes as Christians, as believers, that we are God's plan A for reaching this world for helping injustices be, be solved, for helping water crises be changed, for helping racial injustices be changed. God, he had a plan. Jesus, he had a plan. When he showed up on this earth, he grabbed 12 guys. And, and they followed him, and so he could disciple them, so he could raise them up and send them out. See, the, the movement of God, the movement of the kingdom of God, you got to know this, it was never about a military force. It was never about a political takeover. It was never done through violence or, or a political power. God chose to do it in a different way. Like, and I, I'm probably going to kind of butcher what he said, but I, I really like something that David North said not long ago. He said, um, if you're putting your hope in our government, no matter what side you fall on to get things done for the kingdom of God, then your hope is in the wrong thing. We can't hope that our government puts an end to this, or we can't hope that our government puts a start to this certain thing. No, no, no. We can't wait for the The government is not our savior. We have a savior. There are things God's called us to make steps, to do things, to reach people, to solve injustices. We can't wait for the government to move. It's got to be us. It's got to be us moving. Luke 10, 9, 10 through 17. Uh, and I, I want to challenge you once again to write this down because I'm not going to be able to read it all tonight. Um, so the, what's going on here is the, the disciples, 
they had just been out kind of on this missionary journey and uh, sharing the gospel, telling people about Jesus, healing people, doing all kinds of amazing things. And then they come back and they're meeting up with Jesus and they're going to report everything that's been going on. And so what Jesus does, he's like, okay, well, let's do this. Let's get them in a boat and, and let's go to the other side and let's take a rest. And let's, he, he basically said, let's withdraw. Let's go, kinda, let's go get away. And so honestly, like these disciples were probably feeling pretty good about themselves at this moment. Like all, of all the stuff that they just did, man, people found Jesus, people were saved, people were healed. Like we're feeling pretty good about ourselves right now, Jesus. And so they're, they're on the, in this boat. They're on their way to the other side to take a rest. But what they didn't realize that Jesus... He was intentionally leading them to a crowd of about 15,000 people. How many, how many of you guys think, uh, how many seats does the, um, the event center over here hold? Maybe six, 8,000? That's a lot, right? And like, but he was leading them to a crowd of probably like 15,000 people. And he was about to show his followers what it meant and, and what it looked like, uh, what following him meant and what following him looked like. So they get to the shore. 15,000 people are sitting there waiting. And Jesus, in that moment, he has compassion on them. And he, he does a couple things. And, and so one of those things he does is, is he preaches. And he preaches about the kingdom of God. And then it, the Bible says he even healed all of those who needed healing. And he preaches. And then he demonstrates. And then the disciples did what you and I would probably do right? Like, Jesus, you did some really cool stuff. Like, there's a lot of great things going on. And, and, um, but here's one thing that we're good at, and I think you would agree with me. One thing that we're really good at is pointing out the problems. I think we're, point, we're really good at pointing out the negative. We're really good at picking up the problem things that we see, aren't we? And, and maybe, um, maybe we're, we're good at noticing injustices when people are treated unfairly. And so, so what's going on, these disciples, they've been there all day. They actually just got done doing ministry. They're on the other side of the lake now, and they've been there all day. It's probably hot. They're probably tired from their missionary journeys, and about 15,000 people are there, and they don't have any food. So they come to Jesus. Jesus, we got a problem. Like, all of these people are here. It's getting to the end of the day. Like, let's send everyone away because we don't have any food. We don't have enough food to feed everyone. And like people are getting hungry and it's getting late. Like, Jesus, let's just send them all away to get some food. The same response that Jesus gives these disciples is this response that he gives to you and I. He says this in verse 13. Jesus responds, it's real simple. And he says, you feed them. You feed them. And he's saying, he, what he's basically saying is this. And he said, he's saying the same thing to us in certain situations in our life. He's saying, if you see a need, meet a need. You see a need, meet a need. He said, you do something about it. You see a need and you meet a need. And here's what I love about Jesus. He's, he's saying this. He's, he's basically, he's intentionally saying, instead of focusing on the problems of the world, because that's what we all tend to do. We want to focus on the problems of the world. He's saying, instead of focusing on the problems of the world, why don't you be a solution to the problem? And that's what he's telling us. Instead of like, we, we love to do that, don't we? We like to set back, maybe even a room just like this, 
man, I wish Jeremy would preach better. <laughs> man, I wish our worship team, man, I wish this, man, our, our lights and well. Instead of sitting back and, and critiquing, man, I, this kid at school, man, I wish people would treat him nicer. Or this person going through this, man, I wish people, someone would help. If you see a need, meet a need. You see that kid at school that everyone's picking on, that everyone's messing with. There's a need. There's a hurting person there. There's injustices going on. If you see a need, you be the person to meet the need. You be Jesus in your school. Jesus told the disciples, he said, you feed them. We, we tend to set back and point out and to focus on the problems, but we got to be a solution to the problem. It's really, it's really easy to bring up problems and tell others what's wrong with things, but it's a lot harder to be a, be a solution to the problems that we see. See, Jesus has, has invited us to follow him and, and, and not to simply just follow him, but he wants us to do something about it. Being a follower of Jesus isn't just something that we, we read a book, we say some prayers, but there's some action that he asks us to do as well. I love that there are students who, who are willing to see a need and meet a need. Um, they don't just bring up problems, but they do something about it. Did you know this? In 1944, does anybody know what was happening in 1944? World War II, Right. And it was happening, and, and there, was, there was a lot of money in our country being sent uh, in, in other places, building things, building airplanes, building bombs, building tanks, sent, going, sending overseas, sending in different places. There was a lot of money going to, to a battle overseas to bring down Hitler and Nazi Germany. But what you may not know is this, that God did some of his best work in the middle of chaos, in the middle of crisis. See, in 1944, God dropped a vision and he dropped a dream in a young man's heart. And that young man, his name is Ralph Harris. You probably have never heard of him. But God spoke to Ralph and, and he gave him this vision to use young people in America, teenagers just like you and not me, and people in America to give money sacrificially so that the gospel message might be preached all around the world. That was in 1944. In that year, 1944, something was birthed, something was created, and, and was, was started called Speed the Light. And, and this mission was the young people of America, teenagers just like you, that wouldn't sit by in a wartime and, and just focus on the problems. But what they would do is they would rise up to the occasion and they would do something about it. And the greatest solution to the injustices uh, to the human man, like the greatest solution to the injustice of the world is to see the gospel move forward. That's one of the greatest solutions to injustice is the gospel to move forward. In 1944, airplanes were, were seen as a means to destroy. But that year, in 1944, the youth of America raised over $100,000. And think about it. Think about 1944. Like, they didn't have internet. They didn't have cell phones. They, didn't have, they wrote letters. Like, they, they wrote articles, and they had to be mailed out and sent out and printed. And, like, it, it, so imagine the work and the process. Like, you couldn't just make a post and say, hey, go give to my GoFundMe. 
that's not how it had to, it worked here. So in that year, teenagers in America gave over $100,000 to buy an airplane. It's, it's an amphibious airplane. That means it could land on water to be used by missionaries to fly to the country of Liberia where the gospel message could be preached. Since 1944, since then, over $300 million has been raised and been given by young people all across America to advance the gospel. So that, so that speed the light, so that the mission of God could go forward. Since that day, vehicles, sound systems, projectors, radio equipment. Like if you can get it somewhere and communicate, it's probably been sent. I remember a few years ago, uh, we took a missions trip to Nicaragua. And one of those places that we went, we, we took a, a little, actually we took two portable sound systems with us. And if I, there were a few of you guys who went to Nicaragua who are still here. Um, but if you remember, we would go up to a place. We, we would actually, we get in these buses and we go out in these communities and these uh, neighborhoods and we would go up to a, a street and um, I'd knock on someone's door and hopefully they had electricity so we could plug in this little sound system. And then we'd start playing music and we'd get on the microphone and one of the translators would begin to speak and begin to call inland just tons of children and people would just come in all from all over the place to hear the gospel of Jesus. And then at the end of the day, they would ask people, who wants to know Jesus? Who wants to ask Jesus? And just tons of these little hands would go up all over the place saying, I want Jesus in my life. That wouldn't have been able to take place without a speed the light sound system that we took and were able to plug in and use. I want you to see, I kind of created this, this graphic. I think it might be the next one. Yeah, I want you to see. So 1944 to 2021, and, and this isn't um, absolutely recent, but in these years, we've given 9,091 vehicles to missionaries all around the world. We, uh, we have uh, given 60 Convoy of Hope vehicles. So, so in our world, if... Um, there has been a natural disaster here in the U.S. and sometimes in other places. Like I know Convoy of Hope has been in Haiti or they're actually still in Haiti. Um, but if there is a natural disaster, something major that takes place, Convoy of Hope is some of the first people on the ground and they're based out of Springfield, Missouri. And we give to Speed the Light and Speed the Light has purchased uh, uh, semis and trailers to take to people who are, who are recovering from disasters. Um, we have purchased 33 airplanes for missionary transport, communication over 5,192 water drilling trucks in, in different countries so they can have fresh water. Um, we've purchased motorcycles, trailers, animals. I've told you guys that we helped buy a Speed the Light camel one year, um, which was so awesome. Um, our kids' church has bought um, sheep. You remember that, Nick? And that was awesome because um, we really made Pastor Rob say some funny things. Um, no, we never saw them. Um, but and, and, and so like uh, boats. I remember one year that we gave uh, for a Speed the Light snowmobile in uh, the middle of Russia. And so, the, the, so because it's always cold and snowy there, I guess. But, um, but so these, the, the, missionary, the missionaries could go and spread the gospel from village to village. Bicycles, boats, communication equipment, computers. I, one time I was a part of a team when I lived in Joplin that we um, uh, purchased a radio station 
and we had to pack up all of this radio equipment and send it to, I think it might have been um, Ecuador, so they could begin a radio program to share the gospel um, as far as that radio equipment would reach. Like, one of the things, like, we've been given this past year to World Serve, which is actually um, our living water campaign, and... Um, we, we've been helping move forward a project to end the water crisis in East, Eastern Africa. And, and one of the, the amazing things that I love about what WorldServe does, everywhere they dig a water well, they plant a church right next door. So people can not only show up and get the, the wa- fresh water, but they can hear about the living water of Jesus too. Um, we, we've given towards different projects and to, to assist and to help uh, fight against sex trafficking around the world and here in the U.S. Um, Speed the light. I just told you about Convoy of Hope. Um, If you ever see, if you're ever driving down the road and you pass a Convoy of Hope truck, look on the side of their truck or on the side of their trailer, you'll see this logo. Speed the light right uh, right on there. And and we helped give so that truck can go and help reach more people. Convoy of Hope, it's based out of Springfield, and, and every the really cool thing about Convoy of Hope is when there's a natural disaster, they're usually there before the government shows up and before FEMA can even show up and set up uh, something to help people. They're on the ground. They're ready to go, um, and sometimes in other, other countries. Um, Convoy of Hope, is, it's awesome. Um, but young people today, us in this room, are still doing what Jesus called us to do over 2,000 years ago. The question for us tonight is this, are you a part of the solution or are you a part of the problem? Are, are we going to be a part of the solution to help other people, to help the gospel spread, to help it go further, farther, faster than it ever has been? Or are we going to be a part of the problem? See, when you, when you follow Jesus, it's about being part of the solution. Uh, Pastor Nick, would you just come and play on the keys? Um. Maybe you're here tonight, and maybe you're saying, well, that's, that's really cool. Um, it's really great to hear about all these things, but there's not really much I can do. Um, I'm just like a 13-year-old kid, just a 14-year-old kid, 12, whatever your age is in this room. I'm only a teenager. I don't have a job. Uh, maybe, maybe you're saying, well, you don't know the family that I come from. We don't have much. Um, let me say this tonight. God isn't looking for what you don't have. He's not looking for our, our excuses. He's not looking for what, what he's doing. He's, he's looking for what you do have to put in his hands so he can take it and he can multiply it and bring about a miracle in this world. And, and I want, we're going to close with this, and, and I don't want you to miss this because we talked a little bit about, ago about this story of these um, 15,000 people I want to ask you this, who, who was it that Jesus used to change the day, that day when 15,000 people were hungry and needed fed? Whose lunch did he use to change the game and to change the narrative? The Bible says that he used a young boy's lunch. Jesus, he's still using young people to give what they have so it might be multiplied and and to feed parts of the world, to share the gospel of Jesus, to heal an injustice, to meet a need. 